freedom and independence. But what exactly does freedom mean for us as Christians? Our freedom is actually very different from the idea of this world. And what we see as we continue our series looking at 1 Peter is he tells us to live as free people, but as slaves to God. So our freedom as God's people is so different as we humbly follow in the footsteps of Christ. This message comes from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. July 3rd, 2022. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 to 25. The words freedom and liberty are practically enshrined in our nation's founding documents. And today and tomorrow, you're going to see people proclaiming freedom as they wave the flags, their symbol of freedom, as they listen to the fireworks going off, each one a, an announcement of the celebration of freedom and independence. And people gathering for parades, for reading of the Declaration of Independence and singing out loud in the land of the free and the home of the brave. But what exactly does freedom mean for us as Christians? Our freedom is actually very different from the idea of this world. And what we see as we continue our series looking at 1 Peter is he tells us to live as free people, but as slaves to God. As we look at the second half of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, we see how our freedom as God's people is so different as we humbly follow in the footsteps of Christ. Peter wants us to see here as he addresses us that we are very different from this world. Though, though we are citizens of our nation, we actually belong to a higher kingdom and a higher throne. As he says, dear friends, foreigners and exiles, as the people of God, we don't belong to this world. We actually recognize how just as an exile has been taken out of the land where they belong, we are not where we belong. And just as a foreigner doesn't have citizenship where they live, we really hold our citizenship somewhere else. This exile began when mankind was chased out of paradise. When Adam and Eve lost that perfect paradise in the garden and under the green pastures of their God, they began our exile. And along with all believers like Noah and Abraham and Moses, Every believer has regarded themselves as a foreigner, waiting to return to the, the promised home that God has in store. They, they don't belong to this world, but to God's kingdom. And so it is with us. We are foreigners, exiles. We are looking forward to when God will give us full citizenship that we enjoy and benefit as we gather in his pastures and in his green land then we will really be free. And yes, un until then, Christians can certainly sing the patriotic songs and they do live as citizens of their country, but we dare never let our patriotism or our love of things in this world rise above and take higher priority than our love for our King, our God. 
as foreigners and exiles, we are also, Peter says, waging warfare. He says, <clears throat> I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. You know, this world's idea of freedom is that we can do whatever our sinful desires want. And so in cry for freedom, this world demands the right to do what it wants with its own bodies. The world demands the right to do what it wants as it decides to carry out its own sinful desires. Peter says, those sinful desires are actually waging war against our souls. As God's people, we have been set free and we belong to our God. We don't belong to this world, and yet the war wages on as our sinful desires desire to drag us back into slavery to sin. And we hear the world's clamor for, it's my right, my body, my choice. It's defiant desires really drag it deeper into slavery and sin. Because that's what happens as we wage this war, and that's what sin really leads us to. To a slavery. In terrible irony, those who claim that by having their way and their desires fulfilled, that they have greater freedoms, they're actually further enslaved in the trap of sin and under the sway of the prince of this world. One time Jesus tried to point out to people how in their striving for freedom, they were actually still slaves and needed to be set free. He was speaking about their spiritual condition. Jesus' opponents responded back to him saying, We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we need to be set free? So Jesus told them, and the scriptures declare, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Far from being free by following sinful desires, we are actually enslaved by those desires. Under the curse of sin, and just as the, the devil lost against God and stands held and waiting for judgment, all who join the devil and in persistent unbelief and sin will join the devil as God's enemies in his punishment. The prince of this world, the devil, sin cannot win against God. In fact, Romans 11.32 tells us that God has held all imprisoned because of sin. How can we claim to ever be free if the curse of sin lies over our head? How can we claim to be free when the, the world and the devil and our own sinful flesh have mastery over us and lead us into destruction, death, hell, and condemnation? And how can we ever claim to be free when the judge of all, our true King and Lord, who is over all authorities, holds us accountable for all of our sins? But Peter says, wage war against that. Abstain from those sinful desires. Live good lives. And the way he describes that is a way that many Christians might be surprised to hear. He says, submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong, and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that you, by doing good, should silence the talk of ignorant, foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. 
So you have been freed, Peter says. Live as God's free people. You're no longer bound to sin's curse or under the devil's mastery. You no longer live under the fear of death and hell. You are free. But don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Submit to every human authority. Someone might say, well, Peter's obviously, he can't be talking about submitting to every authority. He doesn't mean those authorities who we have to defy because they're not Christian or those authorities who oppress us as tyrants. No, Peter says, submit to every human authority. And Peter says, not only submit to them, he says, show proper respect to everyone. Fear God, honor the emperor. Not only are we called by God to submit to every human authority, but we are called to show them respect and honor. How does this world perceive Christians when some of them will put up vulgar flags which dishonor those who are in authority over them? And though they do that to the supreme authority in our nation, is that any worse than those others who might dishonor the local police? Submit to every authority. And to be clear, when Peter says every authority, Peter lived at a time when Christians were being hounded by the authorities, when he himself, by the authorities, had been thrown into prison and threatened, when Peter had witnessed and heard how the first of the apostles, James, had been beheaded by the authorities. Peter had heard years earlier how John the Baptist was beheaded by the authorities. Peter saw the great persecution that broke out against believers spearheaded by the authorities. And it's this same Peter who no doubt heard what was going on at this time by the Emperor Nero, who was hounding after, chasing down and persecuting Christians, having them killed and even burnt. And it's Peter who would end up dying at the hand of the Emperor Nero as he was crucified. This Peter says, submit to every human authority. And it doesn't matter whether that authority is doing what you like or causes things to be difficult for you. Peter says, honor them. Honor the emperor. Give respect to all. Do you? Do you submit to and even honor those who are in authority over you? And Peter even goes on to describe this submission as he says, live free, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. We might say, well, I'm a Christian and God's on my side, therefore I have the right to disrespect an ungodly ruler. Do you? Or does God make it clear in his word? Submit, honor every authority. And the extent of the submission Peter makes clear is he says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Receive that suffering for doing good and endure it. It's commendable before God. Now, slavery in the ancient Roman Empire was different from slavery in colonial America or in the southern states here before the Civil War. It wasn't based off of ethnicity, but it, it was rather based off of either a payment to a debt or someone who was captured as a war prisoner by a city or a nation that resisted the emperor. And yes, sometimes slaves in the Roman Empire 
were just working to pay off a debt. And some of them could own property and, and buy their own freedom. But still others were at times treated harshly, even worse than the way that people might treat cattle today. Peter says, even if you're enslaved fellow Christian and they treat you harshly, don't be insubordinate, but endure it, bear up, considerate of the one who sees you, you're conscious of God, your ultimate master and King and Lord. And that is commendable before God. How many of us can ever imagine or claim to suffer what men like Joseph did as he was a slave in Egypt and mistreated? How, how could we ever imagine to be what it was like to be mistreated like the ancient Israelites when they were slaves harshly treated in Egypt and yet enduring it, looking to God for rescue? What have you faced under your authority that you can claim you have harsh or difficult treatment? where you think you're an exemption, and Peter says, you don't have to submit, you don't have to honor. Fellow foreigners, exiles, what God calls on us to do here is in reverent fear of our God to submit to those who are in authority in our lives. How is that freedom? Well, Peter not only tells us to submit, he shows us the one who did. He says, to this you were called. That is to submit to authority, even if it means enduring harsh trials, ill treatment, and persecution. He says, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Not only does God tell us to submit to authority, he gave us the ultimate example of submission to authority who was treated harsher than Christ, who lowered himself further under all those around him and became the servant of all, more than the Son of God, who was mocked, beaten, ridiculed, suffered greatly, more than Christ, as he took those steps, those steps which Peter says, you are to follow in his steps as he goes to the cross. Peter is leading us to see how we go from the cross and follow every step of Christ along the way. As we humbly follow in his footsteps, submitting to authority. Jesus could have turned against the authority that arrested him. He could have retaliated against those soldiers who struck him. As the Son of God, it was his ability and his right. But he submitted to a higher authority, to the will of the Father leaving us an example that we might follow. And he committed no sin. He was innocent, and yet he bore all this. He suffered and made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. And now, Christian, you might think, how is that just, that Christ would suffer this, that the one who is supposed to be over all would be submitting to all and being treated as the lowest and worst and least? How is it just that the innocent Christ would suffer at the hands of the governing authorities? It wasn't just, but it was something God entrusted. The Son of God entrusted to the Father as he carried out his will. And it wasn't just, but it was mercy for us that the Son of God would do all this for justice and for us to set us free. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body 
on the cross. So that you, brother, fellow foreigner in exile, might be set free from bondage to sin and its curse under the control of the devil. Jesus, the Son of God, bore your sin, the innocent one, in your place. He bore the sins of this defiant, insubordinate world. And he did it so that we might belong to him. He bore our sins so that we would be free forever. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. Do you have someone who is treating you harshly? You are free. You are set free in Christ. Live as free. But don't use that freedom as a cover for evil. Rather, use it to follow the steps of Christ. Submit. Are you facing hardship from those who are in authority over you? Submit. Honor. Respect. Do it as you look at the steps of Christ leading to the cross, as you follow him to the cross. But you don't just follow him there. You have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now, Peter concludes, you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He bore our sins on the cross and he died. But he entrusted himself to the Father as he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the Father raised him from cross to crown. And Jesus, who died for us, is now the living shepherd of our souls, the overseer, the one who watches over us now, the ultimate authority over us. We entrust ourselves to our Lord, our King, as we follow in his steps. Brothers and sisters, submit, respect, honor those who are in authority. As you follow in the steps of Christ, knowing that because he bore our sins and set us free, we now humbly follow in his footsteps from cross to crown. And there we will no longer be exiles. We will be where we belong. We will return under the care forever of our shepherd in green pastures, true and lasting freedom, servants of the King. <laughs>